Welcome back to Boilers in the Stands. I am your host, Joe Jackson. Joining me is my co-host, Craig Bowers. We are live after Purdue gets their first win of 2024, a 67-53 win over Maryland, a game that Purdue dominated from the jump, getting out to an 8-0 run. And um, I don't think in the second half, Maryland cut it below 12 or 13 at any point. Um, Purdue's first road victory of the season, true road victory right there. Good, Just a good win um, against a team in Maryland that is struggling a lot this year, but on the road in the Big Ten, anything can happen. Anybody can get hot. Purdue did not let that happen. Um, it was just just a quality win overall. Craig, I'll throw it to you just for uh, first, just kind of quick takeaways from the game. Uh, number one, Maryland may be one of the worst offensive teams I've seen in the Big Ten in a long, long, long time. Uh, we, we've seen it earlier in the year, just Maryland coming out and looking way worse than what we thought they might. I know you and I, when we did – the preseason preview of Maryland, we really questioned the shooting. Um, the freshmen that were coming in, we thought all of them were were uber athletic um, and really physical type of guys. But but you and I both really questioned how much shooting was going to be on this team. And you saw it tonight. tonight. Um, outside of Jameer Young, there, there's just not much bucket getting on this team, uh, even if they're wide, wide open. Uh, the second thing I would say, I just want to lead with this tonight. I, I think... So many times that we gloss over Zach Eady. Uh, Zach Eady didn't have a dominant stretch in any one particular period in this game, but he was just so efficient all night long. He ends up eight of 13 from the field. He ends up seven of eight from the free throw line. I was really impressed. I, I thought Maryland actually did a really nice job multiple times of pushing him out and making him shoot further away from the basket than he's comfortable with a lot of times. And he still was just knocking him down in an efficient clip. He had that little hook shot going tonight. Um, so I, I was super impressed with Zach. Obviously, he had the five turnovers. Maryland did a really nice job of swiping down, especially Reese, of getting his hand on the ball multiple times tonight. But outside of that, I, I thought Zach was just that that steady and really impressive force. And then a bunch of other dudes just had okay games around Zach tonight. And in a yeah. road environment playing against a really good defensive team that has the probability to turn you over. Um, having the most dominant guy offensively on the court when the other team is not good offensively and everybody else just playing an okay game is enough to win by, I don't even know what we won by, 16? Yep, 14. 16 points. No, 14, my bad. Uh, I was an ag, I was an ag ed major. You were the math major. I'm sorry. You were really confident though, and I was like, "Is this six? Like, I was doing some quick <laughs> math. It, it was not not computing for me." Um, but yeah, this like Julian Reese had zero points in this game. Also, like zero oh, wow. points. And and Ju I know Reese hasn't taken the jump that a lot of people, including myself, have wanted. Right? Like, I thought Reese could be the second me best too. big in the Big Ten this year. Yep. Um, zero points for him. And. That's part like nobody scores above 10 except for Young, who goes for 26. And even him, he did he definitely got some easy buckets, and we'll get we'll talk about that. Um, he made 12 shots. Six of them, I would say, was just like Young's just a really good basketball player. It's just like that's that's a tough shot that he made. Um, I mean, he shot over 50%. Like from a ball dominant, ball dominant guard. I think you take that. Um but yeah, just the defense was really, really good. Maryland obviously couldn't get anything going, and then Purdue just needed did what they needed to. Um, nine for twenty from three, forty five percent. So you have you know Fletch knocking down a few. Brayden Jones hits a few uh, to start the second half, and that's the the Lance Jones thing again, right? Of it doesn't matter if he's missed 
seven in a row, he's going to come out firing and he's going to shoot the eighth one confident and, and he can knock it down. Um, yeah, just a good game overall from everybody. I think you kind of nailed it is like maybe aside, it wasn't everybody's like most exceptional game. Um, and even Edie you know, had the turnovers, but aside from that, he was really, really good. But nobody was really bad in my opinion, um, especially, you know, eight guy, eight, nine guys play 10 plus minutes. Like I don't think anybody was necessarily bad. Um, and, and that's just a good all around team. Um, we can kind of jump into some of the players, I guess, first. I'll bring up the stats here. Uh, so, yeah, Purdue wins 67 to 53. Edie leads the way with 23 and 12. Uh, Brayden has 14, 7, and 6. He was very, very aggressive, just kind of doing everything he needed to. Lawyer has adds nine points. On Maryland side, Young has 26 on 12 of 23 shooting, zero assists. Uh, they shoot five for 22 from three, 21 of 63 overall. Purdue wins the rebounding battle 39 to 34. And I believe it was Jeff Parks uh, mentioned, yeah, in this comment right here, Jeff Parks has said, Boilers were down by six boards in the first half, but they finished plus five in the game. Maryland got a lot of weird offensive rebounds in the first half, especially Purdue just kind of held it down in that second half. Uh, points off turnovers, Maryland gets 14 to eight. Purdue with only 12 turnovers. Um, one of them being that, you know, last second shot clock violation that doesn't, you know, doesn't shouldn't really count as a turnover. Um, just a, a good game overall. 28 points in the paint for Maryland, 22 for Purdue. Pretty slow game. Both teams only with four fast break points. I think those are the majority of it. Uh, majority of the key stats. Is there anything else that stands out to you, Craig? I just think the, the rebounding thing to me was so odd, right? Because like I I, Maryland was shooting so bad and I, and I don't mean just missing, but like, you know, that meme where that, that it's like brick and that guy's yeah. like throwing it up and it's like hitting the top of the backboard, grazing the rim and then shooting off 30 feet. Like that's what Maryland looked like a lot tonight. And when those rebounds are careening off that far, it doesn't matter how good of a position TKR and Zach has, like it just creates a situation where weird things are going to happen. Cause there were multiple times where I'm like, my God, Maryland's got the rebound three times in a row in one possession. But also that ball was coming like eight to 10 feet out <laughs> from the paint. It's yeah. like, what are you, what are you supposed to do? Um, it, to me, it was just really weird. Um, <clears throat> I know in the turnovers in the end, Purdue ends up with more turnovers than Maryland. Uh, but in the first half, Purdue had fewer turnovers than Maryland. And I thought they did a really good job. I, I mean, quite frankly, with a lot of the stats we could look at tonight, I, I think Purdue did a really nice job in the first half on, on a lot of things statistically. And then when they had that little run to start the second half and got up by 17-18, it kind of felt like Purdue was on cruise control and just like yeah. managing the situation, milking the clock. And sometimes that forced some bad in-the-clock shots, um, you know, where Lance had to jack up a three at the very end of it or whatever, or maybe Braden makes a pass he wouldn't make if, if like – the game was within three or four and they were truly running their full offense or whatever. So I, I think some of those stats are a little bit misleading because when the game actually mattered, um, Purdue held the turnover advantage. Um, and just, I think we're more efficient in general all the way around and until I don't want to call it junk time, but it kind of got to junk time there at some point. Yeah. There was, there was a period definitely down the stretch where it just kind of, it was just pretty, it was just kind of doing whatever. Um, I do want to say though, like there was a couple points in that second half where Maryland's like, oh, they cut it to 14 or whatever. Um, Purdue never even let it slip past that. Like any, you know, as Purdue fans, I think we tend to 
start to see a lead slip and we're like, uh-oh, here we go again. Um, aside from maybe a, you know, a 5-0 run for Maryland, uh, they did not let anything beyond that get close. And so just, I think that was a good job too. In a road environment, obviously not a tough one today with students not being there. Um, is Maryland really that good of a crowd? Like in general, do we, do I, we solid. So I like, a, I, like when Purdue's there last year, they're going to be insane. But then like, I don't know when Northwestern comes, it's not going to be like a, a, a crazy crowd was my thought. But I could be wrong. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I've I've heard from um, some different guys that I respect fairly well in the basketball world that it is a crazy environment. Um, okay, fair. I've I've seen it a few games on TV where it really comes out. I've never been to College Park, so I, I don't know personally. Um, but I've certainly heard that from some people. But I think it's really student driven. Um, where IU and Purdue, like, even if the students aren't there, you get a really heavy alumni base. I know I've heard them talk about before, whatever road it is, so many Maryland guys being uh, based down in D.C. as alumni, trying to make it back to College Park for the games. They talk about early tips being super hard for them on uh, the Beltway. That's what they call it, the Beltway. So okay. I don't know. It definitely didn't look intimidating tonight by any means. Is a break game, but also when I'm very, very confident when Purdue plays Illinois Friday, that is still a break game. Uh, Mackey's going to be rocking. Mackey is going to be absolutely full. There's zero doubt in my mind for that. It is a late tip, 830. Um, Illinois is taking on Northwestern right now, up six six minutes into the game. I think I want to go to first something that I tweeted about, we talked about a little bit, is the defense. Um, Obviously, we just kind of have to start there. This was a slow-paced game, only 59 possessions, but Maryland still 0.869 points per possession for anybody that cares about Kempom. Uh, Purdue is now up to fifth defensively. They stayed second in offense, which kind of makes sense, right? This holds a low score. Um, Purdue is still good offensively. Like I think there was some talk of like – especially at halftime is like, well, Maryland only held Purdue to 32 points. It's like, well, yeah, they had like 28 possessions. Like that's, <laughs> right. They're just not going to score a lot on that many possessions. Um, but good defensively. I think I want to hit on just the, the chain. I think there was the concern of Jameer Young being able to do what Boo Booey did to Northwestern. And the biggest, the biggest reason why it just doesn't, it didn't work this time is that against Northwestern Langborg and Barry, I think were a combined five for eight from three. Um, Maryland's shot five for 22 as a team. And aside from young, they were three for 16. So there just wasn't the other threats. Um, and so you saw early in this game, like Geronimo, a couple of times, Geronimo, who had lawyer on him, he goes to set the screen for young, assuming that they're going to switch lawyer just shows and recovers to Geronimo. Cause he isn't worried about that. Like he is not worried if Geronimo takes a three, he's cool with that. Um, or if Geronimo even wants to drive or whatever. The only concern with Geronimo and Lawyer was the offensive rebounding, which you saw a little bit early in the game. Uh, Geronimo took advantage of Lawyer in that sense. But against Northwestern, like Purdue tried that too. They really did. They tried to show, and Langborg and Barry just absolutely drilled threes. Now, you can that, – that that's Painter's reasoning, I assume, for leaving Lawyer on Bowie. Um, you can disagree with it, but I think that is the reasoning, and it makes sense in some sense. Deshaun Harris-Smith, Jordan Geronimo. I mean, Jamie Kaiser was sort of – he could hit a three today. Um, but you just kind of go up and down this roster, and Maryland just did not have that at all. The only guy that sort of can be an offensive threat consistently, and even then he only had eight points, is Dante Scott. But that's usually a TKR thing, or TKR or Gillis is on him. Um, and it's, you're not getting that isolation matchup with Young. And so now Young is keeping – you know, Jones is staying on Young every single play. 
Maryland was going to their empty side pick and roll a ton, which is empty side pick and roll means that if the pick and roll's on like the wing, um, there's nobody in that corner. So it's an empty corner pick and roll. And they had got some decent shots off of it. But even then, I thought Jones did a pretty good job navigating screens, uh, just kind of staying in front for the most part. And Young had to hit some tough ones. In the second half, some transition stuff happens and Young um, gets some good ones there. Or he gets, you know, basically once he small, saw Smith, Lawyer, Morton, he was just like, all right, I'm getting all the way to the rim. Um, but I just, I know I just rambled a ton right there. Um, but I think it was just good, good game plan. And Maryland doesn't have the threats to be able to combat the game plan. So Purdue never has to switch off of it. Uh, Craig, if you guys are watching a video, Craig is frozen, at least for me. Are you there, Craig? I I am here, but um, my my internet is limping along. I, I can't wait okay. till I get this fiber in the next couple of weeks. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I see my video freezing up a little bit here and there too. Um, what was your what was your question though? <laughs> I was just asking if you were there. Yeah, I, I, I rambled about here. I rambled about the defense and and Maryland not having threats. Um, yeah, they do not. Um, and as far as Lance goes, um, like like I said, I I, I know Jameer kind of got off in that second half. I, I thought he did it quite a bit from either getting away from Lance, them figuring out how to get uh, Jameer onto somebody else, switching defensively or or in transition. Or there was a couple that were like off scramble rebounds, and just to kick out to Jameer quick. But when it mattered in that first half. I spent one-on-one with Jameer. I thought Jones just really did a nice job of locking him up and making things difficult on him. I think he only let him have four points when he was in the game. Morton had uh, Morton gave up four in the short amount of time that he was in, but that, that just kind of set the tone. And then from the rest of the point on in the second half, it was what it was. Jameer got his, he's a really good player. He's going to get his. Yep. And there's just nobody like it just keeps going back to there's nobody else, even Reese. Right. And so now Edie can kind of just focus in on young. Um, there was just, there was multiple bodies on him on young at all times. I think Craig, we're going to try to get that fixed there with, with Craig backing out. Um, while we do that, there is a lot of you in here and we do appreciate you guys tuning in. If you are new, hit the subscribe button. We're, we're getting close to 2000 subs. Um, would love, would love to hit that soon. Also hit the like button. Like just hitting the like button really does help us a lot. If you enjoy our content, me and Craig today, I believe Braggs will be in attendance with us Friday as Purdue has a big matchup against Illinois. Um, but before that, we'll, we'll keep hitting on Maryland. Um, where do I want to go to next? Now that I'm kind of solo until Craig comes back, let's hit on Braden, 14 points, seven rebounds, six assists. There were the turnovers. He had, uh, Four turnovers all along with it. Two of them, I think, was Braden Smith just trolling is my word for it of like he doesn't – it's not a smart play, but because Purdue was up so much, Braden is just going to kind of do his thing. Um, just good aggression overall, though. I mentioned last game after the uh, after the Eastern Kentucky game that Braden was going to be a, a very important piece for this for this game. I thought he was going to be the most important player for Purdue. If he got going, Purdue was going to have good results. If not, it could have been a long night. Um, 16 points, seven rebounds, six assists. Like he just kind of got what he wanted out of pick and roll. He got to his pull up a ton because Reese, um, even Swan Roger, when he was in for the little bit, they both play this really deep drop. And so I guess since I'm full screen, we can go to the board a little bit um, as we're waiting for Craig to get back to. And so for drop coverage, camera. Sorry for anybody on audio. Camera is not focused. So 
what I mean by drop coverage, right, is you have Brayden with the ball here, right? He has the ball, and then Edie's going to come up, set a screen. And so this is – Reese is – oh, man, it's not – it is not focused still. I'm trying to go to the board, and then my camera just stopped focusing. Let's try this. I'm going to try this again. There we go. Okay. Brayden here, top of this, you know, Edie setting his screen, whatever. Reese is, is guarding Edie. Reese is back here. So he's in what's called drop coverage, which means he's just going to kind of stay back. And all he's trying to do is protect the rim. And he's not, he wants Edie to not be able to get behind him on this roll. Purdue runs the same exact coverage with Edie, um, where if Edie's on in, for defense, somebody sets a screen. Edie is going to drop back and he's going to make sure whoever's setting the screen, that roll does not get behind him. And he wants to keep the ball handler in front. With this happening, though, if this defender gets caught up on this screen even a little bit, Brayden has all of this room to work with, right? Usually Purdue's going to have somebody there or somebody there, somebody there, or some something else they'll do is they'll put two corners and then this will be like Gillis. And then Gillis is what I'm calling replacing the role. So then he comes up, Edie goes down and Brayden just has all of this to work with. And that's a pull up every single time. Um, he can do it pretty much whenever he wanted. I think he maybe forced one today, but the rest was really, really good. I thought um, just being able to pick his actions and then if, say, this defender steps up, that's a kick. If this defender slides over to tag on the roll, it's a kick here. If not, it's a, it's a lob to Edie. There's just, he just has so many good options because of how aggressive he is with the shot. Um, it, it forces defense to really focus in on him, and he's either going to drill a pull-up jumper, which he's done pretty consistently all year now, uh, or he's going to find an open guy, and good things are going to happen from that. Craig, are we, are we looking a little bit better now? I think we are. I plugged the I unplugged the HD camera and just went with the regular laptop camera. So drawing a little bit less uh, there in terms of data upload. So I think we're good. All right, cool. So yeah, I was just I was just hitting on Braden there a um, little bit. I had a little bit of technical stuff on my end too. My camera just whatever reason stopped focusing. My bad for anybody uh, for that little bit of delay. While you were gone, all I hit on was Braden Smith, kind of what he was doing in pick and roll. And yes, there were a few of the turnovers, not good, but he was aggressive. He got to his shot. He created for others. Just a, a good Braden Smith game, in my opinion. Yeah, and there was a moment he he missed. I don't remember if it was his first shot or like a little bit later he misses a shot. And I was like, <clears throat> is, is this one of those moments where Braden misses a shot and tries to start facilitating. It, it was still relatively close at that point. So it was definitely in the first half because last year we saw a few times where he missed one, maybe missed a second, and then he just quit hunting a shot altogether. Um, and we haven't really seen that in this game, maybe a little bit in the Northwestern game, but outside of that, and I, I was glad to see he was the steady enforce in this game. Every time they got it to like 14 or they got it down a little bit, it seemed like he would hit that little 18 foot pull up. Um, or he'd make the right read and make the right pass. E even though he had the four turnovers tonight, I thought especially any time that it started to get just slightly uncomfortable that Braden was a super steady enforce out there. And I don't – have we talked about Fletcher yet? Because I know he ends up three no. and nine, but he shoots two of five from three. There was there was a couple of ill-advised drives, but I thought especially are, early in <clears> – <throat> Those are the same drives that were like – we're like, oh, he just randomly gets those to go to. And this is just a game they did not go. Uh, I was yeah. actually going to go to lawyer because there's a lot of comments on him right now in the chat. He is a, a hot topic. So you, sorry to interrupt you. You go with what you were going to say with lawyer. I just thought, especially like 
pretty early in, in that first half when the game still mattered. Uh, I thought he hit some, sh- obviously hit some shots, uh, hit two threes um, in that stretch. And, in the first half, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he shoots 50%. I know he misses his three in the second half, right, that he takes. I think he got to the foul line once in the second half. But, um, you know, I just thought he played a pretty decent game. He has zero turnovers, ends up with two assists, three rebounds. Shoots three of six in the first half when it actually matters, uh, when the game was still relatively close. So, again, I just (laughs) – so much of this game to me was – I thought Zach was really super efficient outside of the turnovers. But beyond that, I thought many guys on this team, you could just say they played good. And when you have the talent of the number one ranked team in the country and you're playing a Maryland team that's, quite frankly, probably a bottom half Big Ten team this year, you don't have to play great. You just have to have a bunch of guys that play good. And you have to have a bunch of guys that are willing to take shots. And for whatever we want to say about Lance going like 0 of 5, 3 of 3, or like three of his next four, and then finishing out like another 0 of 3, he's willing to take shots, you know? The Lance Jones experience. (laughs) Yep. And and I thought uh, all night long, uh, you saw Cam pull up and shoot a 3 from outside and knock it down. Uh, he's shown the willingness to go ahead and shoot Gillis. I thought Gillis really drove the ball tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, like multiple he's times he got to the point. Um, definitely more than last year. He gets that ball to Zach where that play where he's gets tripped and he's fallen down probably should have been a foul. And he still gets the ball to Zach. Zach hits the dunk. Um, so I, I just, just a really nice kind of good enough game from enough people. When you're the number one ranked team in the country on the road to go ahead and win it easily. And Maryland can't hit a shot to save their butt. So, yep. No, I agree with Lawyer. Like it was, it was a solid game. wasn't a great game, but it also there was nothing except for maybe a drive or two where I'm like, you know, Lawyer needs to be out of the game or whatever. Um, yeah, I just we can pull up some of the individual. We can pull kind of the stats again. Did you uh, did you just, think he got like? Did you think he got abused on defense at all? Like. There was a couple no, plays he got beat, no. but I didn't. I didn't feel like there was any point tonight where I'm like, "Oh, they're picking on lawyer over and over again. The he can't defend." Only or time like that. The only time was like there was Geronimo got like one or two putbacks early. The rest of that, no, I, I didn't think that at all. I thought he did a good job. Uh, like I said, kind of when I was talk ranting about the defense, like lawyer was one, especially one of those guys of just doing a good job hedging and just recovering because he wasn't worried about who he wasn't worried about who he was recovering to. Um, yeah, no, I thought Lawyer was good. He adds two assists. Another game of just like, hey, he makes good plays. He just kind of does what he needs to do. He's in the right spot more, way more often than he isn't. Um, just, yeah, good game from him. Uh, do we want to talk about Jones? I've talked a little bit about the defense. I, we've mentioned the Lance Jones experience today, but is there – let's let's go let's go to the passing. Four assists, which I will quickly fact check. I believe that is his highest on the season. Uh, he had four against – Oh no, he had five against Xavier. I did not realize yeah. that. Okay. So, but just some of the passes he was making. Um, oh, JB put up a comment. I'm sorry, I'm I'm jumping, but JB said when lawyer drives, I think he just tries to get the ball on the rim. If it goes in, great. But if it doesn't, we have a good shot at the board slash putback. That's 100 percent true, too. Like he's lawyer is very much a guy just playing angles. And so he tries to get the angle, but he has pretty good touch with it. And if it, it bounces off the rim softly, Edie's there for a putback. Um, but just some of the going back to Jones, some of the passes he was making, they were quick, they were very decisive, and they were on the money. Um, a couple times just refeeding Edie in the post. I thought Edie did a really good job with his decision making in the post, too. Like 
Edie had five turnovers, one of them being that you know last second uh, shot clock thing, right? So four turnovers basically. I'm trying to think. I think all four were when he was trying to dribble to the rim. I don't. I can't remember one that was off a pass. I could be wrong, and if so, that's my bad. Um, but like, just good passing overall in the post there. Jones just, yeah, he threw a couple bullets to Edie, just right on the money. Or he had the yeah. one, the back door to Gillis. It, it was, it was really good to see. And, and it seems silly to say, like, um, you know, passing the ball to a seven foot four guy is an art. <laughs> but if you if you yeah. watch college basketball, I mean, even watch Arizona, watch other teams that have seven footers. How many times did they in a half court set? truly feed it to the wing and then the wing feeds it to the post in a traditional set, not in transition, not off pick and rolls, a rim runner, all that type of stuff. It's just not something that's really, and then go watch an AAU game and see how many times they feed the post in a traditional manner. Like it, it's not something that is common practice anymore. And there is an art to feeding that ball in a way that's not going to lead to a turnover, both in the way that you pass it in. So that ball doesn't get tipped so that somebody can't get a hand on it but also so that you put the ball in a position to that center that you're not leading them into trouble one way or another, or, or you're not throwing it to them. I watched, I don't even remember who I was watching the other night, but I'm like, Oh cool. Like you passed it to the seven foot guy, but he's got three guys on him. Like what good was that? <laughs> Nothing's going to come from that other than a turnover. Um, so there, there is an art to it. And early in the season, I saw quite a few comments about, well, Lance doesn't know how to feed Zach the post. Well, okay in the post well like okay maybe let him get some live games under his belt and i think he's just gotten better and better and better at that um that bullet i love when they lead zach to the rim when he doesn't have somebody coming from the backside where, where they put that ball so that zach's like already in that pivot motion towards the rim when he catches the ball he did that that first time with a bullet pass that he scores on and then later in the game, he does that. He gives that little shot fake. The guy jumps, and then he throws that bounce pass, which I thought was probably the prettiest pass of the game um, yeah. to, for Zach to, to, to get to that dunk. I just think he's getting – he's never going to be the elite passer that Braden is, but as your secondary no. ball handler, I, I think he's just getting so much more comfortable with it. And on the Lance topic – um, you know, I said before the game, somebody said we have to have 10 turnovers or less to win this game. I said 12. We end up with 12. Exactly. Um, basically 11 though. I'm going to keep yeah. showing that out. Right. That's, that's <laughs> fine. Um, but like, I, I've been harping on the fact that Lance isn't here to necessarily be an elite scorer. Lance is here to be a good perimeter defender and to be a really good, solid secondary ball handler. And there were multiple times tonight where somebody was getting in trouble trying to bring the ball to the court, generally Braden, just throw it to Lance. And Lance just like bully balled his way 40 miles an hour across the half court line. Because um, mm-hmm. a lot of times when they're trying to pressure you, you can get away with a little bit of contact, but you're not bothering Lance. Like you're not bothering his body with a little bit of contact. You're just bouncing off of him because he's built like a rock, you know? And, um, his ability to help limit turnovers, especially, I don't, I would love to see a stat, Joe. You need to go, you need to figure this out because you're the stat guru. All right. All right. I would venture to, stats. I would venture to say, how many games have we played? 13 games, 14 games? 14 games, 14 right? games, 13 and one. 
I bet we don't have more than 16 turnovers against the press like before we get across the half court line on the entire year. I will work on that while we're in, <laughs> talking in the back. But yeah, I think it's a legit point. Like this press just hasn't, are there going to be a couple turnovers? Yes. And I think even if teams press in the future against Purdue, um, I don't think fans should overreact to, overreact to like two turnovers. If a team presses for 20 minutes and they only give up two turnovers, like that, that's a good job. Um, it's just, yeah, it's not becoming, it's really becoming not an issue. Um, I think Morton's a little bit more comfortable too, even when he's in, although it's, it's a little, you know, I think I trust Jones bringing the ball up more than Morton. Um, but you see it, you see it, especially we've seen it a couple times where it's kind of been the, the rotation of like Jones lawyer, Colvin, right. Or Jones, uh, Colvin, Heidi, whatever, or not Jones, uh, Smith, Colvin, Heidi, um, you just see it where it's just like, oh, yeah, it's not quite as easy to break the press. Obviously, Colvin and Heidi, I'm singling them out because they're freshmen and, and it is it takes time to get used to. Um, but when Smith and Jones are in, just I really yeah have no uh, no no troubles at all. I'm really confident that they're going to be able to do what they need to do. Um, I don't know if I can get exact. So right now, per synergy. Purdue turns the ball over on 18% of possessions when facing the press, um, which is a pretty good number. They're in general, they average six, their turnover percentage is 16.6. So last year for comparison, it's just not loading. Cool. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. No, uh, I will definitely like to get back to you on that. But yeah, Purdue is, is doing a good job handling the press, handling pressure for the most part too like even you know maryland zone can be feisty uh, maryland for what they are not offensively they're they are very good defensively um but just with that that matchup not matchup zone but a zone that turns into man and basically what it, their zone does is it just kills 15 seconds of the shot clock because purdue knows that the man's coming at about 15 seconds they get the ball across at 21 seconds because of the press and so they're just going to wait like six seconds to get into man and then get a good shot but it, it's Maryland's defense is designed just to slow the game down like that. And Purdue did a good job, I thought, still. Um, hit on – you have anything else on, on kind of press, Jones? No. I mean, that's – I the, the one point I wanted to make was just what he means to this team from a defensive and ball handling standpoint, regardless of if he finishes 4 of 13 or 7 of 13 shooting. Like, yeah, if he can shoot 30% from three to show that he's enough of a threat – that they have to come out on him and defend him so that they're not sagging off and he can still make that entry past to Zach, score some buckets in transition. Cool. Other than that, yep. give me a great perimeter defender and a secondary ball handler that is going to make the press not be an issue for us. Yeah. Um, who else do we want to hit on bringing up the stats here? Hit on Brayden, hit on Fletch, hit on Edie Jones. Um, I thought – TKR was the verse stint was very good, I thought. Um, and then just there's just not a comfort, it seems like in the post when teams shade that left shoulder. Uh, he's he's got to figure out something going baseline or, or going over that right shoulder. I do expect it to come. It is tough that he's like TKR for the past two years has just had this really tough spot. And it's not, you know, he you can still overcome that and stuff. Um but I'm excited to see next year what he can be, assuming Edie's gone, which maybe we can hit on that for a second towards the end of the show. Um, 
like TKR, he basically goes from having to kind of stretch on the perimeter a little bit, make entry passes to he gets a stint with first and it's like, all right, we're going to feed you in the post. Um, I could see how that's a little bit tough, just trying to adjust in that, but good energy. He has good energy pretty much the past, I don't know, I'd say four or five games. I would say pretty, I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. Um, and that's what he needs. Rebound the ball well, what he had. I can pull up the stats here, Joe. He had five rebounds in 17 minutes. Um, two of them offensive, three of them defensive. Has three points because he knocked down that early three. He's shooting confidently, even though it's low volume. Um, you know, first possession of the game, he, he fires one off. It's six for 13 on the year, 46%. If he's going to take one a game and he's going to make it over ha or about half the time, that's that's a good thing, too. Um, I don't know if there's too much else for TKR, if anything stood out to you specifically. I don't know if there's a lot else um, really outside of for the starting five. <laughs> like people came in and gave bodies. They they played good defense. I mean, I think just as a, as a team defensively, they played good defense, but also when a team's shooting up, bricks as bad as maryland like i i don't i don't know if we really know <laughs> um but I, but i thought just as a team defensively everybody gave pretty good minutes here um but man out i mean outside of th this was one of those games you know people worry about the bench and sometimes gillis comes in and scores a decent amount of points or first gives a bunch of rebounds and a few points colvin may come in and hit a bunch or three or four threes in like a five minute friggin' stretch like colvin does uh, this is one of those games where it was the big four, right? And then after, from an offensive standpoint, and then after those big four, they didn't really need that much, or they really didn't get that much. Um, and tonight, they didn't necessarily need uh, that much more than those starting four games. So I don't know how much more there is to really dive into Gillis first. Heidi, Colvin didn't really get many minutes tonight. I think that is the thing that people are kind of talking about in the in the uh, chat a little bit um, which if you are in the chat we, we appreciate you guys tuning in hanging out with us please hit that like button if you are enjoying um three minutes for colvin six for first 10 for heidi 12 for borden uh per, painters definitely you know painters is going to get to eight guys at some point i would assume the first guy to go is colvin seconds probably first um if, if it is going to get cut to eight at some point there's still going to be spots that both of them work TKR, like I said, I thought he was playing pretty well, so that kind of cuts the first minutes a bit. Um, Purdue just needed ball handling, so I think that kind of cuts the Colvin's minutes a bit. I don't know if there's too much to read into other than like it's going to get cut at some point, and it doesn't mean that like Colvin's bad or anything like that. It's just you know not the exact right time that Painter trusted him. He's still he's Colvin's going to have one or two games in the Big Ten where I'm confident he he plays a very very large part in Purdue winning. Yeah, I, I just don't necessarily think this was the game for it. Um, yeah. And also, when, when he, I don't know how many minutes he ended up with. What did he? Three. Uh, he ends up with three minutes. Uh, but he, but even in that three minutes, uh, there was a couple of moments he got lost on defense uh, pretty quickly in that three minutes. Um, so I, I just don't know that this was the game. Um, with as much as they pressure and the athletic and, and physicality that they play with against ball handlers, <laughs> They needed more guys that Painter was comfortable with from that standpoint. I'm confident, supremely confident. You look at the minutes he played against uh, Alabama. You look at the minutes he played against Gonzaga. There's going to be plenty of games this year where I still think he gets 10 to 15 minutes. Um, 
I'm not worried about, I, I see some people in the chat being worried about how Miles is feeling or what Miles is thinking about going next year, any of that type of stuff. There's 0% of me that is worried about any about any about that personally. Um, I think it's just going to be really matchup dependent. And, and we've said, Painter has said many times that he likes to be cut down to a rotation of eight or nine and not be bigger than that. I, I think this year, <laughs> I just think that those last three guys or last four guys, Gillis is always going to be there no matter what. Gillis is always going to be there. Yeah. I think the next four is very highly dependent on the specific matchup. I, I think there's some games with what first can do defensively with his athleticism that he's going to get a lot of minutes. I think there's going to be games where maybe they're struggling to score and painters are going to give Colvin run because he's, you know, Vinny off the bench for the Detroit Pistons and he's going to come in and just fire away and score a bunch of points extremely quickly. Um, potentially. Um, I think there's a lot of games. Heidi's always, I feel like Heidi's always going to get like eight to 10 minutes, no matter what. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think he's always going to be there. And right now, uh, Painter's gone to Morton instead of Heidi first off the bench in that rotation. I don't know if that necessarily plays out for the entire year. I could see that going back and forth a little bit as the year progresses because I don't know where Heidi – where's Heidi on the year from three-point percentage? Because I feel like Heidi he's got to be – like, Seven for 15, 46%, 47%. Yeah, I don't know. How, how I do math, that's pretty good on low volume. And yes. one of the things, one of the things that Painter always says is it's extremely hard to come in on low volume and shoot a high percentage. So the the fact that Cam does that, and like whether he shoots three shots a game or whether he shoots one shot a game, it doesn't seem to impact what his average is in terms of how he shoots from three. So I think he's kind of the prototypical like three and D with I can rim run on a back cut and make the most massive aggressive dunk that Purdue's seen in 10 years at the same time. Yeah. I, it's just a, like you said, I think it's just going to be a matchup thing like Illinois Friday. We'll, we'll preview the Illinois game for in a second as they're up uh night or 18, four minutes left in the first half against Northwestern. They are taking it to them. Um, that could be was wrong on that one. That, <laughs> like Illinois. Yes. Terrence Shannon is gone and, and there is all that. They still have good players around them. Maybe they're they're probably not that elite elite team, but there's a still a lot of solid players around them, and they're all six six plus. Um, I think Harmon is six four, and he's off the bench. We'll see. It's kind of the way it breaks. Is it could be more of a Gibbs Lawhorn game, uh, depending on what they want to do there. So that'll be interesting because reasons. Um, but like there's, there's that's a game where Heidi Colvin because of the size, especially Heidi. I think. I think I just trust Heidi more defensively, like way more defensively right now. Um, Colvin, obviously, I, I would say, I think is the better shooter. I just trust Heidi pretty much on both ends of the ball right now more than in the Colvin. And so if it's one of those, when it becomes one of those two, eventually, I assume Heidi gets that just because his size, especially when paired with Smith and uh, Lawyer, can just be a good combo, I think. Um, you mentioned Morton kind of being the first one off the bench. Painter has gone the past few games. It's he's subbing Jones out first to give him a break. And so Painter said he wants two ball handlers on the floor at all times. So he wants two of Smith, Morton, and Jones on the floor at all times. Um, he's subbing Jones out a little bit early to get Brain that rest around the 12-11 mark. Um, 12-11 minutes left in the first, like in the half, I mean. 
that's kind of why that's happening. I think I don't know if it's necessarily like more than over Heidi per se is more of just, Hey, we're rotating ball handlers in. So that way, you know, Smith and Jones both get their rest and then they can play the last seven minutes together with the rotation. One thing to note, Smith and Edie did not come out at the same time in the first half. That is the first time that's happened in a minute. It's felt like, I don't remember the exact game. I could go back and look. Um, but first half Smith sits for two minutes. He comes back in. Then Edie sits for two minutes. I don't know if there's anything more to read into it than that, but just something wanted to call out because we have said, Hey, why is Smith and Edie sitting together all the time? Yeah, that that's interesting. And whether painter was just trying something out to see how that rotation works and what that means going forward. But yeah, I've always kind of in the back of my head wondered if it wouldn't work better if that was staggered a little bit. You know, and I, I think a lot of people have, but also when those two are on the floor together, it's so dynamic. Um, I, I think yeah. maybe he just wants to maximize it's, when he when he's not protecting them to make sure that they they're getting a rest that he wants to maximize those two guys together. So I did. I, like, I I put up a was, com comment a second ago. Da, da, da. What'd you do oh, with it? Bad. You killed it. I never got spooked that one. So historically, um, Joe, and you've been a Purdue fan shorter than many yeah, of you us. You got to read it for the audio. Oh, I, I, SLK Boiler says, I never got spooked today when Maryland started making a few shots. I trusted our team. You, you, you don't know how big of a statement that is <laughs> for those of us who have been Purdue fans for 25 to 30 years. Okay. Probably there's probably somebody on here who's like been a Purdue fan for 50 years and they're like, uh, not 25 or 30 years, Craig, 50 years. But <clears throat> I, I've said that um, e even when we were in that Alabama game and we were down early, right? Like I, I said that game, like at no point was I worried. Um, yeah. There's just something about this team and confidence in the fact that these guys are so comfortable, so stable in the way that they approach the game. And in a lot of those games, you you in a lot of those games where a team is beating Purdue early, you still see Purdue getting them into foul trouble. And you know what's going to come because those guys are going to have to go to the bench or whatever it is. If you've been a Purdue fan for 15, 20, 30 years, maybe longer, I've to me, there's just a different sense about this team. Um, in terms of confidence in the fact that they're going to be good in the moments where they have to be good, that they're going to make the right decisions when they have to make them and that they are comfortable coming back over a, a steady period of time. If they get five points down, 10 points down, whatever it is, and they're eventually just going to wear and grind teams down. And I just, I think it's different. And I know every, every fan says that every year, <laughs> right? Every fan's like, Oh, this team's different, but man, it sure feels different. That's all I know. As someone, my, First year of fandom was was my freshman year of college, which was the Carson Edwards Elite Eight year. Um, and so since then, like I, I obviously I don't have rank, as, you know, as decades of, of fandom. But even in this short time, like it, I agree, it really does feel different. Um, even I know last, you know, after the Eastern Kentucky, I was like, hey, Maryland kind of keeps it close. I think what was kind of going on was like, my brain was like, Hey, this just should be a close game, right? This is Purdue going to Maryland. It just should be close. But I think like in my gut, I was like, no, like Purdue is just so much better. Like they just do what they do now. Um, Braden is taking that Braden is taking the jump to where like uh, he is a consistent score for the, mo he's a consistent score when it's not a Jacksonville or Eastern Kentucky where he doesn't care. Um, 
And aside from like the Northwestern game, he just kind of creates whatever he wants, right? He is one of the best passers, if not the best passer in the country, uh, currently in college basketball. There's just, yeah, there just isn't that that worrisome, I think. It's, even against the Arizona the Arizona game, right? You start getting a little worried when they cut it. You start getting worried for sure when you, they cut it to four. But, like, it just never felt like the game was going to fully slip. And that's that's a big thing. You felt last year, I think you did you did feel that. Maryland went on a, what, 23-4 to four run last year at Maryland to come back and beat Purdue. Or I don't know if come back, per se, but to break open the game and dominate that second half. Um Purdue is just, they are doing what they do now. And that's a scary sight for the rest of the Big Ten. Yeah, no, uh, um, no doubt. And and I think, I mean, I, I said it the last time we did a show, but I, I think Purdue probably still wins this Big Ten comfortably. Although with the way Illinois looks, uh, even without Shannon against Northwestern tonight, Illinois may beat everybody else in the Big Ten uh, easily enough that um see what they do on the road uh but they may be able to handle the rest of the big 10 enough that it just comes down to those couple of games against purdue and illinois so i i might be wrong in terms of what the margin will be um props to illinois by the way i i made two calls today one was northwestern over illinois on the road because i thought illinois would be shaky in their first real test without shannon and they're up like friggin 20 so props to you illinois uh, the other one I made was I thought Purdue was going to beat the spread easily tonight. I made that call. So I, I'm one of two. Most people were, were betting. Most people were betting against Purdue uh, to not cover the spread. So I, I guess I got one of two right at least. There you go. Um, there was a comment I just saw. Oh, Josh says we still rely too much on ED guard play wins in March. I would. Purdue doesn't maybe have the superstar guards for what the, what everybody does and how insane Edie is. Like I'll, I'm not worried. I really am not. Like Smith, I really think Smith is him, and he's just one of Smith is gonna Smith is one of the best point guards in the country. Like just straight up, I am I'm pretty confident in that point now. Um, it just kind of goes back to this team being different. It, it really is, and this team gels together. This team loves being together. You see Lance Jones already being just absolutely loves being being a boilermaker um it's, it's good vibes around this team and obviously i know purdue has had a tendency to kind of fall off towards end of february kind of in big 10 play but that's down the road we'll see what happens i don't know if we probably have anything else on maryland do you want to preview unless you do have something else on maryland do you want to preview illinois for 10 minutes 10 or whatever and then call good yeah we can talk illinois all right so illinois friday 8 30 eastern time tip that is a on Fox Sports One, um, Illinois is what number nine right now in the country. They are currently up forty six to twenty nine against Northwestern at home. They are, I mean, they're just dominating the interior. Is what's happening. Domask already has Domask, 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 Domask has fifteen. Garrier has nine. Um, there's obviously the Shannon thing. We kind of talked about it last time uh, on the last show. Like, if you want a really good discussion on that definitely go check out the sleepers medias they did a really good job handling that purdue's going to play who's in front of them and right now it is a collection of six foot six plus guys and there's guys that you know they aren't like a great shooting team but they are illinois might be the best one of the best defenses purdue goes up against all year if not arguably like the best um i guess tennessee's probably thrown in there too and stuff like that but yeah uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Illinois is very, very good defensively. They are similar to Purdue that they just force a ton of mid-range shots. Hawkins plays in his really deep drop coverage, so it's going to be another – I think it's going to be another Braden just kind of has to get to his pull-up game. If he does that and then t- they adjust, then he should be able to find the role or kick out to guys. Um, what are kind of your some things you're looking for, I guess, in this game, though, as we head into it? Um, I was just actually looking up the defense thing because I was curious. Um, and per Ken Palm, Arizona, Marquette, Tennessee are all ranked higher defensively than what Illinois is. For whatever okay, that's so one worth. of the best. One of the best. <laughs> right. more correct. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I'm still, I, I know I question Illinois in terms of what they would look like without Terrence Shannon because you're you're literally losing one of the top 10 basketball players in the country. Uh, this was their second game coming off of that. And I, I question what they would look like. And they've certainly shut me up tonight at home uh, fairly loudly uh, from that standpoint. Still want to see what that looks like when they go out on the road. The road environment is a little bit different than the home environment. Um, Northwestern is a solid mid-pack team. They beat Purdue, obviously, at home. Uh, Boo Booey can go out and have crazy games. I think that's the wildest thing about tonight's game. Boo Booey's only taken like six shots in the first half or something ridiculous. Um, He's up to seven shots. Oh, is he? When I, well, when I looked just a little bit, he was like two of six a little He's, bit ago. Yeah, and I'm like, four you, now. Yeah, you yeah. So um, you know, Illinois can make things difficult in terms of their perimeter pressure. They can switch out on everything. I they have absolutely nobody that can guard Zach Eady. Um, I think this is a game where as long as Purdue's guards can limit turnovers and feed Zach, and it's a home game, so they're gonna be hitting from three. It's just the way it works. I don't make the rules, that's just the way the rules are. Um, if they can get it to Zach comfortably and, and handle the defensive perimeter pressure of Illinois, I don't see any way that anybody stops Zach. I think Zach gets Coleman Hawkins in foul trouble. I think Zach gets Dane Danger in foul trouble. And whatever the spread is, I'm going to pick Purdue to cover that game too. Um, it'll probably be like eight and a half or something like that. Uh, especially really? Playing well. Yeah. You think it'll be more? No, I think it'll be less than eight and a half. It's a number one versus know. number nine matchup in the country. Yeah, but like they, as much as I just said that, uh, like Illinois is good. They also don't have Terrence Shannon, and Purdue is is elite. Uh, I'm not saying they'll cover for sure. I'm just, I'm, that's my guess on what the spread will be. Um, yeah, no, it's a good point with the foul trouble. Uh, it is Purdue or Illinois. Illinois really defensively is built similarly in terms of production to Purdue. They don't force a lot of turnovers. Um, Illinois forces fewer turnovers than Purdue. And, and a per possession basis, Illinois does not foul a lot. Illinois is 346 in defensive turnover percentage right now. They just don't force turnovers. Um, but what hmm. the, they are just, they switch a ton. They can switch one through four pretty much easily, and they're not really going to get a mismatch. They are a team that's not going to foul. They are going to force a ton of mid range jumpers, and they're going to rebound the ball well. Um, you got to win the rebounding battle. You got to be able to knock down some jumpers. And if that happens, it kind of breaks open, breaks open this Illinois defense. If Edie can really get going at the rim too, start getting Hawkins in foul trouble. Now it's you know a mix of Danger and, and Hansberry, who's Hansberry's been solid in his limited minutes, I think, this year. Um it'll be tough for them to stop. I they might start doubling, I assume, at some point. If Edie definitely has it going, that just goes back then to Purdue needing to knock down jumpers. I'm just gonna keep going back to per, Brain. Brain has to just do his thing once again. Um, I do think with you know Illinois size. 
Illinois starting lineup against Purdue Friday will most likely be 6'6, 6'4, 6'6, 6'8, and 6'10. Um, that is a lot of size. It's going to be interesting. I assume. Oh, does what does Jones take Domask now? Who knows? I, I, I have no idea. Uh, that'll be interesting to me. I, I think who's who's going to be the initiator on offense? Ty Rogers. He's like their point, but Domask is like the guy that'll do stuff. I don't know. Like Rogers will run points, but it's more he'll also play a lot off ball because of his lack of shooting. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I don't know. Like right now, okay, at half, Domask has 15 points, two assists. He has nine shots. Uh, Rodgers yeah. has four points and two assists. I get that, but Damask has had like two good games all year from a score from a scoring standpoint. I know he plays like really sound fundamental basketball, but he had that big game against FAU. He's having a big game tonight. Outside of that, he's been like a 10-point game guy, you know? At to, yeah, double digit six of the last to, seven. To me, he's Fletcher Lawyer, right? He's he's got a couple what we should clip that for Illinois fans. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like Fletch will pop off for 27 a couple of times. Okay. Oh, okay. But mo- but most of the time Fletch is gonna be in that like nine to twelve, thirteen point range. Like I, I don't think he's a number one on a top ten basketball team, is what I'm trying to okay, say. Okay, that's that's fair. That is fair then. Um, there is Blake Moodmerk calls out Hawkins or Coleman out top might be their way to draw out Edie. Let's see, what is Hawkins shooting on the year? Yeah, I was gonna say if he can Hawkins, actually he can randomly just drill. He's 35%, so um, you do probably have to respect it a little bit. I don't know if Purdue will to start. Um Corey's asking who does lawyer guard. I assume he'll take my guess is he takes Harmon to start. Or no, 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 no. He's gonna take Ty Rogers. My guess he's gonna take Rogers. Uh Smith is gonna take Harmon and then Jones is going to take Domask. Um, Rogers is probably going to get similar treatment to what Lawyer did to Geronimo a day, where he just kind of ignores him. And then if you know Rogers starts, because Rogers can score, he can get downhill. If he does start doing that, then um, then he'll probably be switched. That's where a Heidi game could come in more. Colvin, if he's hitting a jumper, if in playing good defense, then that could happen too. Um, yeah, Goody Goody's starting now, not Harmon. So. Oh, I didn't. Good I didn't oh, so then I'd expect Lawyer's Fletcher to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then he's just going to limit the threes. Yeah, yeah. Corey says this seems like a game where Lawyer struggles, though. Very possible. We also said that about Tennessee, and right. <laughs> people were saying that about Arizona. <laughs> Lawyer just kind of. Not. I, I'm I, not saying Lawyer's going to be great. I'm, he very well could struggle. I'm just saying Lawyer just has these games against good teams where he just kind of rises to the moment. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think he's really good against drawing contact against teams that really want to pressure the ball. So mm-hmm. I think it could be one of those games. Might be another Fletcher be. Lawyer game at home against Illinois. Maybe. Um, but it's going to be a Zach Eady game before it's anything yeah. else. <laughs> and it should be. They, they, Eady has to How- dominate inside. He has to do his thing. What are What are your thoughts, though, about Quincy uh about tkr having a match up with quincy because i mean i guess quincy's a little bit that way what i just said in terms of like he may score eight to twelve a game or whatever it is um but like there's moments where he can look 
really big for this team. And he can, I mean, I think that's the thing about Illinois outside of Shannon, kind of similar to Purdue in some ways. They have multiple guys that could go ahead and get 15 to 20 in any given game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, they don't have their number one anymore. And I could see Quincy just in terms of what he can do off the bounce a little bit and everything else, given some of our force some trouble in this game. Yeah. Um, it's Gillis feels like the matchup probably is the guy that can get out to the perimeter and Gary is kind of just this streaky shooter. You know, he goes five for eight and he's had a three for eight game, but he's also had some over fives over threes. Um, I don't know. It depends on what they want to do too. Sometimes they just have Gary a parked in the corner and other games. Like I don't obviously I haven't watched this game. I'm going to watch it right after we're done with this. He has six shot attempts in the first half. They're all twos against Northwestern who is known for forcing teams to shoot threes. So like, I don't know what's going on there. I'm very, I'm actually very confused on what's that. Um, it's some like, I don't, this is going to be a good game. I, I think it should be a close ish game. It really should. I don't like, I think Purdue wins. Cause I think they're the better team, but like, I it's, I don't think this is a game like today where Purdue just kind of pulls away um, just because of how good Illinois defense can be. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's going to be relatively close. I'm, I'm what whatever the cover is, I'm taking the cover though. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just telling you. Sorry, I was laughing at uh, Matt Painter's second chin and they're going back and forth with. Uh, it's about one of our minutes. One of our one of our favorite guys who likes to harp on lawyer in the chat. So, uh, okay, can I just like lawyer? There he is. He is not good against like boo booey, right? He's, yeah, and there are there shocker. are things like yeah. Lawyer does a lot of good things defensively, and I understand there are times that he should not play, and I think for the most part, Painter's done really well with that. Um, somebody commented, like, so I forget where it is. Somebody commented that Painter has pulled Lawyer this year for the most part when Lawyer needs to be pulled. The bench just has to play better. I, I think that's pretty true. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get on that too much more because I will just start ranting, but... Do we want to mention ED with the draft stuff? Because that's kind of been circulating. There is a, a Gavoni or, or whatever his, his name is. I'm sorry for if I mispronounced, but big draft guy at ESPN. He had ED draft or slotted 14. There's been a lot of hype, I, I think, of being a realistic late first rounder. Um, do we have anything to say other than that's just kind of where it's at right now and we'll talk about it later? Or do you want to, do you have anything to add? Uh, I guess first, before we touch on that, I do want to say, and I, I, I meant to say this earlier and I just saw it pop up in the comments, but after the, uh, Arizona game in Indy, I said dealt death to the Wilson Evo ball curse. Um, Maryland is also a Wilson Evo ball school. So I am officially Purdue fans. I am officially planting the flag into the ground and saying that the Wilson Evo ball curse is dead. I'm doing the meme handing over the Wilson Evo ball's grave. It is dead. It is gone. This is not an issue we're going to talk about anymore. We'll let Kentucky basketball radio uh, discuss this topic because it is no longer an issue for Purdue uh, for now or ever going forward. Um, But in terms of the draft, I mean, obviously this is a weak draft, right? There's just not a lot top heavy in this draft. So that's going to help Zach out. Zach has looked leaner. Zach has looked quicker laterally. Zach's block. Um, rate per game has gone up uh, even though he's played fewer minutes this year per game than what he has last year i think he's shown even more consistency from the free throw line 
Um, his ability to defend without fouling, I think, has gotten even better yet. Um, so you add all of those things together. And I, I think late first, from what I was told, uh, I'm never, we're, we're not a breaking news or an inside source show, but from what I was told after the fact by multiple people, somewhat around the situation close um, and a couple that we interviewed on the show, uh, it, it sounded like he had a pretty good sense that he was going to go early second round last year. And if he was going to go early second round last year with the improvement that he's shown this year, based on the reports that are out there and the fact that there's just less quality in this particular draft, I think it easily makes sense that he's at least late first round. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me, especially if, say, Purdue goes to the Final Four, makes a national championship type run, and he has some signature moments, um, that he gets up to that end, end of the lottery, 14 or 15. And people have to remember that most second rounders that get drafted in the NBA don't last more than a couple of years. We, we love to hang our hat on the one or two that do, like Stoudemire. We love to hang our hat on those. Yep. But there's way more of those second rounders that are gone in two years than are still in the league in two years. Yep. There are bunches and bunches of guys picked in the late first round who make a living in the NBA playing 12 to 15 minutes a game. And there's certainly a scenario because there's some other teams out there in the NBA that have seven-foot-plus guys that are – a little bit more on the traditional side that when that second unit comes in during the regular season, they can use them in spot minutes as an advantage, not consistently for major minutes all the way through the game. I think Zach can be that late first rounder at least like minimally and come in and play 10 or 12 minutes a game in an NBA consistently over a long period of time. And potentially he works his way into much more than that. If he does develop, continue to develop that outside shot. If he does continue to develop, develop his lateral quickness as well. Yeah, I am. Uh, I think like my stance is I don't understand people who say he has absolutely zero shots. I'm not saying you have to think that he is going to make it. Odds are he's not like odds are he's not going to stick more than a couple of years, right? Like that's just the odds for basically anybody. And then you add in him where he is. It is so important for any draft prospect to end up on a team with the right fit. It is going to be amplified with Zach Eadie, right? Um, but like, it's not like it's uncommon. Like there are guys that still play legit minutes in the NBA that aren't a three point threat, right? And they aren't this insane, um, you know, defensive monster at the five like Zubach is a name that pops in my head I'm not saying Edie's ever going to be as good as him because Zubach for the Clippers is very skilled but he's a guy that's for most I haven't haven't watched a ton of Clippers this year but like he's going to be a lot of drop coverage right he's going to kind of hang out in the dunker spot hang out around the rim set some screens rolls like I think there's a scenario where he ends up on the right team that can use him for 12-15 minutes a game during the regular season off the bench and just kind of let him eat down low um like like I said I Fit is going to be the most important thing. We talk about it with Trace Jackson Davis, right? Like um, Trace ended up in the absolute best spot that he could. That shouldn't be a knock on Trace Jackson Davis. There is 450 players in the NBA, right? Like out of everybody that plays, he, even if you can make, even if you can make your what your skill set is fit on three teams, like that is so impressive. Um, and I think Edie has the legit chance to do it. If he, if you mentioned the Final Four stuff, if Purdue makes a Final Four. Like zero percent chance Edie's back in my head. Um, he's like got a five percent chance back in general for me. I, I don't see it personally. 
never say never because who knows, but I just, especially if he's going to be a, a late first, early second. Um, there's also like, like this felt like the run it back once more year, you know, like this felt like, okay, let, let's try this thing one more time. I'm not ending on the, this FDU loss. Let's run this back one more time. It feels almost a little weird to be like, let's run back the run back again. You know, um, I don't know if that actually will, that probably won't factor into his decision. That's more just me speculating on the outside. We will obviously root for Zach Eady when whatever he does. I also hope that we don't really have to talk about this too much until after Purdue wins a national championship is, is my hope. Um, do you have anything else on the ED conversation on Maryland, on Illinois, Purdue, uh, farming? I don't know what any, anything you, you need to get out there from that sense. Uh, you, you want me to give a farming update? Sure. Let's let's hear. <laughs> no, I just need the freaking ground to freeze, man. This uh, this wet like thirty five to forty five degree stuff. If my my farmer friends that are out there, my livestock friends, they know what I'm talking about. This muddy, wet bull crap in the middle of winter. Either either make it freeze or make it sixty. One of the two. Nothing in between. Um. So yeah. Outside of that, I I don't really have any major updates. Other than uh, and I'm sure some Illinois fans are going to come for me on Twitter for predicting the Northwestern Illinois upset when Illinois is absolutely destroying Northwestern. I had probable cause to do so. I wanted to see what Illinois yeah, can do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I'll, I'll take one or two on the night. It seemed like that. It seemed like that. Like I said, it seemed like the trend was picking Northwestern against the spread, not to win, but against the spread. And the trend was uh, Illinois. So I'll, t- I'll take one or two. I can live with it. There you go. So I think we're going to probably call it good for the night here, about an hour-long show. Uh, Purdue wins 67-53 to 53 over Maryland in a game that Purdue, like I said, dominates um, from the start. Oh, actually, one little thing before, because people were asking for it. Here is the minutes chart. Um, I will say I'm like 95% confident this is right I was trying to live thread this game while take notes while actually watch the game and do this. If minutes are off by a couple, that's on me. Um, I will try to be better next game. It is just, it is a lot easier for me to do this at home games. I've realized, but for anybody that wants it, I don't think we have to dive into it really at all, but take a screenshot, look at it, um, throw that out there for that was a couple comments um, or, you know, Two that I wanted to get to. Derek Mulliken said, also was told this post game was coming three minutes after the game. I'm I'm just gonna blame. Say Bragg said that, um, and blame it on him. He's not here to defend himself, so it, it's his fault for <laughs> for uh, longer than three minutes. He promised it, and uh, yeah. The other one. This is from Epro Dish. Dish he said, I got boilers in the stand shirt for Christmas. Uh, if you do want to buy boilers in the stands merch, definitely we there is a pin tweet i believe on our twitter um if not we'll put out another tweet about it just with a shop kind of containing some of our merch sweatshirts shirts mugs stickers others question mark um but definitely go check that out that's that's for people that have asked of ways that they can support us that is a great way um then you you know get some merch in in return as well shout out epper dish for getting that for christmas you can follow craig on twitter at craig bowers 34 you can follow me on twitter at joe jackson cbb follow us on twitter like i just said to go find the shop at boilers and stands if you're watching on youtube please like and subscribe we'll be back friday after the game and i guarantee you it'll be more than three minutes after the game um don't know the exact time my guess is 
what we've been doing like 15 minutes or so probably after the game ends is when it starts 15 20 minutes um but yeah please like and, subscribe oh you go and no and just so people understand when when greg makes that link for Streamyard, he's got to pick like a round number for the time so he's he's just guessing so you're gonna no yeah. matter what that is you're gonna get a notification that says boilers in the stands post game show is starting in three minutes yeah. that's just the baseline it's if the game goes into overtime and it goes 30 minutes longer, we're not starting the post game show when the original right link said it was. So we, we try to come on as quick as we can. Uh, Joe's got to upload a couple of graphics. If we're live at Mackie, we got to wait for enough people to clear out that it's not super loud and music. to that's, stop. Yeah. That's getting harder and harder uh, with the amount of crowd that sticks around to get Zach ED and apparently Lance Jones autographs. Um, so we, we've got to, give enough time for that to clear out before we can get rolling. But Joe and I both like to get done as soon as possible as well. Uh, whenever the game's done and yep. give you guys our time and due diligence. So we, we always start as soon as we possibly can uh, based yep. upon what the environment lays. So, yeah, we do appreciate everybody tuning in. If you're worried about jumping in at the right time and stuff, if you just go to YouTube or whatever you, I know YouTube for sure. Um, I assume there's something on Facebook too, but if you just go to YouTube, and you just click the bell notification, you will get notified when we are live every single time. Um, also just helps us on our end is a little bit. Corey mentions maybe we can live stream the chat during a game. I Yeah, I mean, if we have the link set up, you definitely feel free to, to hop in here. Maybe we could kind of hop in here to try to throw in a couple comments because I believe the chat starts as soon as the link is up. I'll double check on that, Corey. But if you guys are looking for a place, we will potentially shout that out before the game be a place that you guys can kind of hang out a little more you know um concise group rather than just kind of scrolling twitter good idea Corey. lots of rambling we are also on audio apple google and spotify podcast if you do prefer that you know five star reviews those do help us a lot a little bit of a midwestern goodbye here i felt like i was rambling a little bit more than usual um but i think well, that's it for us people anything, said Craig? People said they miss Greg in the comments, so it, there's nothing better than giving a Midwestern goodbye to end it. Um, Alex Rockhold said, Corey, Diehard's page has a good post thread to follow along during the game. So that is on Facebook as well, Boiler Diehard's uh, Facebook page. If you're not a part of that, it's, what are you guys at, 12,000 now? I don't know, 13,000, 12,000, something like that. Lots it's a whole of bunch of people. Fans. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, I, yeah, actually have a meeting. Uh, maybe I don't know if I should tease this or not, but um, ha have a meeting with a couple of things coming up. Uh, Boiler Diehards may be forming a little bit of a partnership with an organization very, very close to Purdue to bring some events and educational experiences uh, to Boiler Diehards fans. That's all I'm going to say about that for right now. Uh, but have a meeting on Thursday for that potential possibility uh chris says we're at 11,800 i think 200 people must have left so i don't know i thought for sure we were over 12,000 so thank you to everybody besides you 200 people that left um <clears throat> but yeah that's really all i got we're looking at so one last thing we're looking at a fan experience coming up um right now we're thinking potentially the michigan state home game in march against purdue we did this last year um where we held an event prior to a game um, at Brokerage Brewing Company. We're looking at that again, possibly just for a bunch of people to get together uh, that interact and talk on the chat, interact within Boiler Diehards and also within Boilers in the Stands. 
So we're looking at hosting uh, some sort of event. And right now, timing-wise, the best thing that fits is that Michigan State game. We'll give you more details going forward. We thought about the Purdue IU game, but apparently Braggs is such a big wig that they're sending him to the Super Bowl to cover that for CHGO now. And Joe and I are just, um, we're, we're just, Greg's leaving us behind, man. I don't know what to say yeah. about that. We're covering the final four this year. I'm, I'm putting it <laughs> covering the final four. So um, that'll, that'll do it then. Uh, yeah, that'll do it then. Question mark. You're good. We're good. Everything. Any last we're, minute? We're, we're good. We've, we've All given right. the longest Greg, uh, non-Greg Midwest goodbye in our history. So, yep. Uh, one last thing to add to it. Blake Widmer says the chat is there in terms of the YouTube chat um, before, like during the game, but it resets once the video stream comes on live after the game. But during the game, it is another place in addition to, you know, the Boiler Diehards Facebook page that you can come, come chat, like subscribe notifications helps all of that audio, Apple, Google, Spotify podcast, follow us on Twitter at Boilers and Stands, rehit everything there. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, Craig, were you about to say something? No, I'm good. Okay. Well, thank you all for tuning <laughs> in in this Midwestern goodbye that took like 15 minutes. Not a usual for us. We appreciate everybody, and we will see you Friday pretty quickly after the Purdue-Illinois game, 8.30 Eastern time tip. Have a good night.